hobby with reckless abandon. Hello. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Weekly Advice Show. Uh, and I am not Stu, I'm Kimmy. Um, Stuart, I know. We're just, everything's all confused today. Off, right? Yes. <laughs> it's been me all along. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yes, Stuart is not feeling well tonight. So I'm here with my friends. Who are you? Uh, hi, I'm Jason. Uh, hi, I'm Stuart. I think I'm Kimmy's friend. She you are. What's up with me? I you think. totally are. I think she just called <laughs> I do that with a lot of my friends. It's okay. <laughs> um, and this is episode 2602, so season 26, episode 2 of the Happy Jacks Advice Show. Um, and into the day's episode. See, I know how to do this. Wait, wait, how do they reach us? Huh? How, do, how can they reach us? Oh, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, what, that's what I do. That's what I do. That's, I'm about Hunter to do just... the blurb. It's all written there. I got it. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That is happyjacksrpg, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, we have a forum. If you go to happyjacksforum.com or happyjacks.org slash forum. Um, we are also on social media. We are happyjacksrpg, all one word, everywhere, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, lots of places. Um, you can find us on YouTube there and Twitch there. Um, and yeah, if you want to watch us on YouTube or Twitch, you can watch us live. We're usually 7 p.m.-ish Pacific time on Fridays for the advice show. And then we have a bunch of APs that are constantly running. If you check out happyjacks.org slash schedule, you can see that. Do we do actual plays? We do a lot of them. Huh. We do like three or four a week. Whoa. Yeah. It's That's a, a bunch. Lot. No, but more like good. five, right? It depends on the week. Crazy. Yeah. We're crazy, but they're all good, and you should watch them. They're fantastic. Oh. Or listen. They're all available as podcasts and as videos. They're all archived somewhere. Mm-hmm. Happyjacks.org slash shows. Every single one has a little picture, because I had to, to find, find pictures <laughs> <laughs> for you, all of them. Have you counted how many we have in total? I did, but then I don't remember now. It's like a bunch. and they're all listed. gazillion. Yeah. And like <laughs> over 300? Oh, episodes? 100%, uh-huh. yeah, but actual separate campaigns? Mm-hmm. I don't remember how many, but it was a lot. That's They're all listed chronologically, so you can 30. see. Yeah, I think, oh yeah, something like that. It's there a lot. So, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of different systems. You know this already. Thanks. All right, and in today's episode, uh, we are starting off with orcs and some tropes about them. It's written in by... Mr. CJ. Mr. CJ, thank you very much. Um, and Jeff from New York City writes in about simulating an epic journey into the unknown. And then Joe Crack, our friend, who has recently returned to the Discord, welcome, mm. sir, uh, asks about playing an existing IP. Mm. Um, yeah. So, do we have announcements? We do not have announcements. Nope. Okay. Actually, I have an announcement. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, you'll hear about this a lot coming up, so uh, prepare yourselves. Yep. So, there's this little game called Decima that's being released by Golden Lasso Games, and it's kickstarting starting on 02022020. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Isn't it cool? <laughs> Did you work that out on purpose? Yes. Just, at like, 2 oh, p.m. It's so close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, February 2nd uh, at 2 p.m. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Well done. Uh, Decima, Decima will be kickstarting. Um, if you go to Golden Lasso Games slash Kickstarter, there's a waiting page with a little countdown. Um, and to save that, eventually it will redirect to the actual Kickstarter page. I actually did click on that, and I really liked your um, your blurb about it as well. I thought it was very well thought out and very mm-hmm. well written. There's, a, there's a, a nice little thing about why you chose Kickstarter, which is right. you, you should click on it and read it. It's a very well thought out uh, reason. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone I, should 
Yeah. Check it out. And there is, like, controversy. I know people, like, the, the employees at Kickstarter are try- trying to unionize, um, things like that. So it's a, basically an explanation of why I'm still going with Kickstarter with me and my team um, and what's going to happen and next steps if people do they do they do decide to do boycotts and things like that a whole explanation of the situation so if you're interested in that do that or if you just want to see the little nifty timer that says now it's like 15 <laughs> days and 20 hours and so yeah started. but who's counting yeah who's counting <laughs> it's fine let's go into the first email please <laughs> all right anyway so yeah golden lots of games.com find the stuff Thank you. Great. Jason did it, and he's still around to tell about it. That's yeah. true. Right? That was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I, get, if I make even half of how much money you made, I'd be no, that was flipping it. You're going to crush me. I, I don't think All right, anyway. Not a competition. We're just trying to get games made here, guys. <laughs> Everything's a competition. Yeah. Me. Have you met me? I'm an Aries Huffle, or an Aries Gryffindor. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Me too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which means we're in competition <laughs> with each constantly. Always. We should, we're birthday twins, like yeah. exactly in the competition. I'm a, I'm a Virgo Ravenclaw, so I don't really care. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can we just get to the email? <laughs> All right. Uh, Orcs and trope assumptions from Mr. CJ or MRCJ. Yeah, we're just assuming it's Mr. CJ, but know. maybe not. MRCJ could be Merc J. Merc J. Yeah, it could be. That could be a lot of things. That's like one of those license plates yeah. you look at, and you're trying to figure out what it says. You practically hit the car because you're busy trying to read it. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? Is that J's and Mark J's? Yeah, yeah. what kind of person gets a vanity license plate? I don't know. Probably someone who's an Aries Gryffindor. <laughs> not all of them. Does it say Decima? <laughs> no. I'm not going to say my license plate on the thing. But it's super cheesy, and it's expected. Okay. Well, you told me you get one that says Decima. They yeah. just have advertising all the time. <laughs> Everywhere. Oh, man. People will Google it. Oh, I am the first search if you Google Decima. Yep. I am the first thing on the internet (laughs) right now. All right. Hello, Chopper Stew. I'm sorry, he's not here. And in Douchebag Town. Who runs Douchebag Town? Stew. I'm nothing but a raggedy man. All right. As I listen to actual plays, one of the uh, constants among fantasy settings jammed by Stu is the treatment of orcs. I'm aware of Stu's article regarding orcs and his thoughts behind it. I might even have read it. It's always helpful when someone writes an article and then that you read it. If you're going to comment on it. If you're going to comment on it. (laughs) I mean, that's why you write articles, hypothetically. I think it imbues a setting with depth and a kind of logic that players can expect across multiple campaigns. I also think that many GMs have similar themes or tropes that they carry across different games. One example of this, again, from Stu's actual plays, is the idea that spaceships have codes that can be referenced, changed, and used for identification. They appear in Star Wars and then again in Traveler. I think these kinds of, uh, of things are personal choices that grow from preferred ways to approach world building. If there is a question in here, maybe it's this. Have you heard of other GMs who insert world building elements from a campaign setting? Oh, who, inset, uh, who insert world building, ele- world building elements, I can talk, I'm fine, uh, from campaign setting to campaign setting. Okay, that is the letter. MRCJ, Mr. CJ, we don't know. Uh, and then there's a, a PS that's longer than the letter, so maybe we should do the letter first. Yeah, let's do the letter first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that that is a fair assessment. I know that there's people who... Hold on just a second. I'm going to have you mute, and I'm going to have you grab the mic next to you. Oh, yeah, we were having problems with that mic yeah, the sorry. other day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I do this with campaigns when I'm jamming from thing to thing. There are definitely themes or things I create that I kind of steal and share, mm. especially if it's sort of a similar similar thing. Well, 
uh, we all fall into habits, and we all fall into things. And, and I and I completely get what he's saying. I'm going to sort of keep talking for a bit. I want to get my level. Uh, the, they completely get what he's saying because you have um, you have a personal way of sort of building your own world and things that make sense to you. And whether you're you're running around in a fantasy setting or you're playing high science fiction, much of your worldview is still imbued in both of those two radical settings. I I, I get that, and I can completely see myself doing it. In everything I, I approached, I found myself falling on tired, the same tired um, plot lines a lot of the time too. Mm-hmm. I've had to say, and because they work in both, you know, like maybe the magicians are opening up a portal to another world, or maybe in the science fiction setting, it's a it's an actual artifact that yeah, or opens, or opening a, a gateway. It's a yeah, gateway. Yeah. It's exactly the same trope, yeah. but it goes from. It, but you can transfer the two, and I. I can see that. I think. I think let, uh, that. I, I think I want to focus just on this one question because I know yeah. we kind of re- pre-read mm-hmm. the second part of the email. But so this first part of the email, he's just talking about um, like how Stu uses like basically vid numbers for mm-hmm. for starships, and then he mm-hmm. does that in multiple science campaigns or, or science fiction campaigns. Um, are there things like that that we see or we, we've noticed other people use that are is like carried from cam- campaign to campaign? Um, I don't know if this counts, but I have. Injected uh, an advantage mechanic um, <laughs> since D and D five E came mm-hmm. out. I, I take that to whatever game I'm, I'm, I'm like. Look at the dice mechanic and go like, okay, how can I give advantage and disadvantage? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, here, here we go. Mm-hmm. And maybe it won't work right perfectly. I I, th- I guess that's kind of a meta answer to this. I don't know what world building elements I bring. I probably do, and I'm just not conscious of it. Uh, you generally bring a sexy badass female orc of some type. Oh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's badass warrior women. Yeah, or is what theme. shows up in my games a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that's true. Adam has his abs. Yep. <laughs> we used to have a uh, we used to have a magic dealership in D anD D back mm-hmm. in the day that was called Square Deal Sam's, mm-hmm. and Square Deal Sam's showed up in everybody's campaigns because nice. it was just sort of like a used magic shop where you could go in and buy stuff and sell stuff. Because yeah. you know you're constantly going through dungeons and getting wand, unknown wands, and so it was like a one-stop shop. That's and cool. it ended up on our science fiction stuff too. It's like Square Deal nice. Sam's, but it was blasters yeah. and lightsabers yeah. instead. Yeah. And so it was it transferred around on all the things. But I, I think, and that's kind of a silly answer. But I can totally see myself setting up my my science fiction world exactly the same way as my fantasy world, even with the feudal lords. Yeah. Even with, and just substitute swords and magic to the force and lightsabers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I still build them up the same way and I still have the same uh, through lines, I guess. Yeah. I tend the to same arc. also put like a lot of like teachers in my games. Uh, so that's happened. Yeah. I, I don't know, the Wild West game, one of the main NPCs ended up being uh, the schoolhouse like teacher and then Right now, I'm running a campaign that's all about schools of with superheroes and things yep. like that. And I don't mean to. I think it's just something I'm super familiar with. So I automatically, when they're like, "Oh, this person walks in," I'm like, "They're a teacher." <laughs> <laughs> I think that comes from like the improv GMing a little bit. Like you yeah. default to a thing you're super familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to do. Like. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've described my childhood home like when people walk into places I'm like what does it look like and yeah. suddenly I'm I'm describing my because I know it really well yeah so I'm I've used I've used my childhood home in numerous times like for apartment rooms mm-hmm. for you know absolutely <laughs> yeah I, I think one of my biggest world building elements that I can identify having grown up in Shadowrun is I will put a heist in any game that I'm running <laughs> mm-hmm. like the story will be. 
a about a botched heist, or you're going on a heist, or you've been heisted, and you know, uh, I, I think that feeds a lot of my storytelling is yeah. something related to a heist. Yeah, I think uh, jamming is something that's very intensely personal. So I think no matter what, no matter how different the setting is or in a different uh no i'm pretty sure everyone gms exactly the same way all the time every yeah. time yeah i've done some research <laughs> but no matter what like what system you're in no matter what setting you're in there's going to be flavors of your personality that get put in there and whether that's small details like stew like oh no you've got your your number on your ship that like everyone's going to id you or whatever that is um I, I think i'd go a step further and say your square deal sam the number on the ship's I think it's great to reuse yeah. that stuff. It's especially if it's with a group who you you just played a Star Wars campaign and now you're going to play Seven C, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and you have your Square Deal. That's like a fun callback for everyone in the group. Well, and, I don't and everybody think it's in the like, group is using it. So like yeah. when somebody else ran a thing, Square Deal Sam's was also in their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe Sam was a little different, yeah. but, but everyone had a sense well, of what Sam is like. It was yeah. a chain. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's awesome. There was like one in every town. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, they say that we have that for the Happy Jacks APs too. Oh yeah, I mean we're we're trying There's to build that sort of meta layer universe, <laughs> universe yeah. that all these games exist together. Yeah, and like the Fae from Stu's Vampire game showed up in the Changeling game, mm-hmm. I think it was, and like all these different things. So it's I don't know, it's kind of fun. It's I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's I've even dorky. built some of it into my backstory with my with our uh, our Vikings. That we oh, did in yeah, Stu's game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool! His daughter was going to grow up to be the 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 Icelandic woman from from his um, from his game. Nice. Oh, yeah, uh, Alice. Yeah, my Exodus character was like the great 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 granddaughter of my character from the Genex game, mm. <laughs> which is why I was like. I've been practicing my Irish accent. They'll just be really distantly related. It'll well, that's a small island. They're all not <laughs> each other. Except we were in space. It got a lot bigger. <laughs> Still Irish. Still, yeah. But it's funny. Yeah, it is fun. I don't know. It's like tapping into the familiar. All right. And then the PS. Arg! A PS. I don't know if that's supposed to be and, but I like arg. I think it's arg. Arg! A PS. <laughs> they tried to resist it, and it yeah, just like just came, came unbidden. Out. Yes. <laughs> Going back to the orcs. You wouldn't just write arg. You'd simply just say arg. Oh, then, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Going back to the orcs. Uh, the thing I enjoy is that Stu has given orcs a reason for acting the way they do. If they attack a village or kill a bunch of people, it goes back to their worldview, which uh, from uh, which from one angle looks evil and from another angle looks uncompromisingly principled. It makes for more co- a more complex relationship with orcs and a guide for playing them as characters. I also have a take on orcs, which I move from campaign setting to campaign setting, which is quite a bit darker than Stu's, but also addresses why they do the things they do. When I was thinking of why orcs do, quote, evil things, the answer came back that as a, ra- uh, a racial group, anything that has to do with what we associate with femininity, femininity is, n- femininity, I can't talk today, is not presented in them. For maybe about 30 years now, in every campaign uh, campaign I run, it is understood that orcs are created, not born, in vats and requires a magic item and a costly, disgusting ritual. Orcs that are created generally follow whoever created them, not out of loyalty, but out of fear. And orcs, pure orcs are all created male, or male, fully functional males. Orcs tend not to be particularly intelligent. 
Orcs have been known in large enough numbers to overthrow that who who or what created them. Orc society, um, when left on their own, quickly reverts to a Lord of the Flies style violence and power struggles. Uh, orcs do not like bright sunshine. Sometimes they face a mechanical disadvantage if that's too bright. Orcs can crossbreed with other races, leading to half orcs, which are violently rejected by any non-orc race and are valued by orcs for their ability to operate in daylight. Half-orcs generally don't have the same lower IQ assumption as orcs and may raise to leadership of regular orcs, but with some danger of anything, uh, or the same with the same danger of anyone living in the Lord of the Flies scenario. So the idea is that anyone twisted enough to create orcs is generally willing to do twisted things to create servants for themselves, uh, who tend to be good primarily for violent acts. When orcs are on their own, they act and react. In, they act and react in ways to assure their own survival in semi-equal amounts of extreme violence and cowardice. All the best, Mr. CJ. Mr. Surger, mm. Mr. CJ. Yes, I mean, I, I don't think there's a specific question there, but no. um, I think, you know, it. if you have a, a consistent setting idea that works, I mean, a lot of this is pretty consistent with the original D&D presentation. Yeah. Works. I think it's important to have an idea of what motivates your your various groups of people, whether it's dwarves or elves or whatever. And it, it, oftentimes we default to many of the same things because we've spent a lot of time already setting it up. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, I, I even read novels where we just assume the elf is like a Tolkien elf, whether it's from Tolkien or whether it's you know somebody else. Mm-hmm. They're all very similar. Every now and again you run into one that kind of turns it on its ear where um, there was that show on not too long ago where, where the elves and fairies were just sort of seen as savages and such, which was a really different idea to me mm-hmm. because you always think of elves as this noble race. And it was... It's it's not often that you, people flip these around. So whatever you do, it's, I guess, good to be to have worked it out and spent the time because it does then motivate or give impetus to the to that group's actions. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you want a great fantasy setting, um, subverting the usual tropes, yeah. the Dragon Prince yes. is <laughs> a fantastic source material for Maybe. getting different ideas of how to do things. Yeah. Super great cartoon on Netflix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, um, what, what was weird for me, I played Shadowrun in 1989, you know, mm-hmm. first edition, having never played D&D and never read Tolkien. Right. Wow. You know? and, and so... I had no fantasy background because I wasn't that interested in dragons. Because the elves in Shadowrun are like Tolkien elves just in the future. Well, not really. There's a little group of them. Most elves, like you can be an elf who's a mechanic and a hacker and you're not any different from anyone else. That's true. It's it's very much the circumstances of your birth decide a lot more about you than, you know, whether you're... uh, 20 years or not. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so the... um, the idea there. Oh, and they also have, you know, because their elves and orcs and whatever are injected into the real world, uh, well, our, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Sh- Shadowrun has, Shadowrun is an alternate history, yeah. r- really. Um, they also have um, elves who are black and mm-hmm. orcs who are Asian and, you know, just uh, that it separates the idea of species and race. Yes. And, and that is, I think, a really valuable way to think about Super that, too. Because yeah. you're way more influenced by the family that raised you and the neighborhood you grew up in than the pointiness of one's ears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's my favorite take on it, too. Um, as big a Tolkien fan as I am, there's definitely... I mean, 
It's a really old fucking set of books. Yep. <laughs> and there's, you know, they it, come with the problems of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it does carry the baggage of the eras that it was written in yep. and the eras before it. Exactly. And I've heard, um, like, reading a bunch of rumors about the upcoming Amazon, or Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Amazon's Amazon doing um, a, a Middle Earth show, kind of like, kind of vague on what it is exactly, but... Um, and there's like they're making a very important point, supposedly according to the materials, of including a lot more people of color, like elves or lots of different people of color, things Holy like that. Holy moly! Which is exactly what it should be. Yeah, yeah. It's like these are like timeless beings. Like they've got more important things to k- worry about. <laughs> I mean, they made a lot of mistakes in the history of Middle Earth, but I yep. won't go into that. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I think that's really important. That it's it's interesting hearing people like comment on Stu's take on orcs too because that all kind of like all the stuff he well not all the stuff but a lot of what came became his things for orcs for his um uh moment of truth setting were actually developed by us when we did uh, our 5e uh game when we all played orcs and we came, and he was really great about letting us come up with cultural stuff for that and like different things um and one of my favorite things, which is still technically in the setting, I don't think it came up in the, in the Moment of Truth campaign, was that I came, that I got to make this, this army of badass female women warriors that were orcs, and it was very much tied to, like, their motherhood and their honor Uh. and things like that. It was basically like, they were mothers, and if, like, their children were killed or something, it was like, their, their job to, like, they all joined... They called them the Legion of the Dishonored because children were so important to the orc society. So they joined to, like, redeem themselves to society. Like, I wasn't able to protect my baby, so now I will protect society. So... That is Which, cool. I think it's great. It's a great story. It's very cool. So it's a like, whole series of novels that should be written about that. Right? Yeah. I love... And I loved That's that. That's the YA shit I want to read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, I, I loved the... Keeping the, the strength and kind of, like, the warrior like idea of orcs but also like pairing that very strongly with something that's very feminine mm. and like motherhood and giving birth and like an all woman society yeah. within orc culture uh, Stu's take on orcs is very much before 300 came out uh, of Sparta sure mm-hmm. it's very much a warrior caste society yeah I mean it, and it really de- deviates from the you know born in a vat right but, you know in, it does. In, imbued by an evil right. wizard you know right. mm-hmm. sorry I didn't mean to cut you no <laughs> no no you're you're that's fine. It's yeah. it's the two the two contrast each other, but at least both both have a clear vision so that their orcs are motivated. For yeah. However, it is you get there. Yeah, and I think like like I, that ties back. I think, and this is a good example of what what Jason was saying about your circumstances of your birth really impacting. So it might be fantastic to see how an orc who is from the world that Mister CJ makes. Like, what if one of them was made out of love? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, how would that change that behavior? Because, like, it's very much the circumstances of how they're created, generally, like he says, by people with, um, like, nefarious intents. Oh, right. Like, if a, if a druid in the woods got a hold of this ritual... Yeah. ...and went, like, oh, okay, well, we can make living beings, and yeah. living beings should have a heart and, and compassion, and yeah. you know, sentient beings you know, should have those things, and... Uh, yeah, that, that's a really interesting campaign idea that I'm not writing down <laughs> on the back of this. Right. Or yeah. as an actor, as use. an actor, having you know done some acting training and such, this is this is exactly what people talk about when they start creating a backstory for their character because it, uh, it informs the motivations and informs the yeah. choices that the character then makes. Yeah. Oftentimes, an actor is in a scene and they kind of need to know what led up to and what behind it. And even if if it, the character is 
you know, very complicated. They need to come up with stuff in the background because, and they'll talk to the director and writer about it because they need those kernels, those nuggets. Absolutely. This, this stuff about the sunshine is important to them to give the most authentic performance. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo as an actor, but this is exactly what actors sometimes have to do is come up with this stuff because it then informs the choices they make on screen or mm-hmm. in, in the scene. Yeah. It, well, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, well, and then, like, that orc that I played in our 5e campaign, um, like, if, if I just made her a warrior in this army of women orc warriors, okay, that's interesting, but how she would react when she got to towns or saw children that's in exactly trouble right. would be dramatically different than with that backstory, even yeah. though we never saw, the like, her backstory with her child. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, boom, that changed immediately. Like, she was willing to lay her life down for any child yeah. of any race of any type. Like, that was, like, her part of her motivation is. And those are the motivations that actors talk about. They, they talk about yeah. choice and motivation. The choice is, is an, sort of an acting choice, a stylistic choice, mm-hmm. but the motivation is literally something built into the story that you are then... This is what this is what they're doing. What motivated them to do that? Yeah. And you mm-hmm. have to delve into your mind and, and find the truth of that motivation and then, per, and then try to portray that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And That's it helps when you have all of this stuff here. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're just an automaton parroting lines, right. yeah. which is not a great performance, usually. No, but usually that's, that's they want somebody that can, <laughs> that can do it in two takes and hit their mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you true. can always tell, too, there's like those scenes in the movie, you're like, I don't, I think they filmed this out of order and oh, they didn't boy, know did something. They? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's oh, hard. Man. It's really hard. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you, MRCJ, Mr. Yeah. CJ. Awesome. Yeah. Great email. Um, Great arg PS. Arg. Shall I take on Jeff? Yes. Sure. All right. Uh, simulating an epic journey into the unknown from Jeff in NYC. Hey, Stu and the Friday evening douche crew. That's hey, us. That's us. Hey. hey. We're the douche crew. Except without a stew. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but it rhymes. So uh, yeah, that was, that's, uh, that's catchy. Yeah. Um, Jeff from NYC here writing in for the first time in a long while. I'm running a D&D 5e game in my own custom setting where a new and strange continent has been discovered, and my players mm. are an expedition team tasked with mapping and exploring the new land and finding out what happened to the last expedition that went missing. Mm. That's, that is salient. <laughs> uh, imagine Lewis and Clark meets Heart of Darkness. There's Aaron, Aaron Clark, your grocery clerk. Can't <laughs> collect the bill. It's my terrible, terrible <laughs> apocalypse now. Okay, mm. carry on. Good. Uh, I'm glad you explained it. There's <laughs> well, it was so bad. I figured you kind of <laughs> needed to know. <laughs> there are pockets of civilization along the coast mm-hmm. and a few new settlements further inland, but the rest of the continent is terra incognita. Hmm. Um, I'm writing in because I wanted to ask for advice on how to A, fill this world out, and B, make exploring it fun and exciting. Okay, we can definitely fix all of that. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Most of the games I've run before have taken place in settings where the world is mapped out already, or I could easily hand-wave travel times and issues. For instance, how long it takes to get from Neverwinter to Waterdeep probably doesn't matter so much, but you can assume there's a road between the two (laughs) with inns and taverns and maybe bandit attacks along the way. Right. Yeah, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My issue now is I want to get from point A to point B. Oh, I want getting from point A to point B to feel like a challenge in and of itself, but without it devolving into the players sitting around having to just make constant con saves to simulate how tired they get and survival checks to find trails or whatnot. Right. Yes, agreed. Okay, I'm uh, fully on board for this. The other fun part is also making all the environments different and exciting. There will definitely be all kinds of terrain covered, and they'll be coming across other creatures and possibly societies of varying degrees of sentience and hostility. 
I'm a little limited by my own imagination in this, though, and want to want the world to feel different from the typical Lord of the Rings kind of environments you might typically see. Any advice is appreciated. It's important to me that you take a drink before continuing on, however. Thank you. Good, good Cheers. Man. Good man. Uh, thanks all. Jeff. P.S. Hey, Kimmy, I've started getting hey. into cosplay, and you're at least partly to blame. Yay! Oh, boy. I'll take the blame for that. Yeah. It's awesome. It's very fun. All right. So, uh, in, in review, we're... Uh, filling out a world. A, a, filling the world out, and B, making, it, making the exploration of it fun and exciting. This would make a better video game than it does a role-playing game, I think. Because having played many uh, like, like an online open world game, you, you don't know what's over the next hill yet, because you haven't mm-hmm. explored it yet. Um, remember when WoW first came out, mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah. oh, what's over here? Oh, what's over there? And you would spend just weeks, wandering, entire weekends, just just running around, wandering, yep. Yep. and finding stuff. And that's, and that's really satisfying in WoW. And you're on the edge of your seat, because you don't know what's in that forest, or if someone's <laughs> going to drop on you from out of a tree, or if that village <laughs> up there is friendly or not, or if it's abandoned, and if it is abandoned, is there stuff in there? That's really cool. And to try to recreate that in, a, in an RPG is tricky, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of things I was thinking about, just sort of right off the bat, but uh, another of this is carved in stone. Um, mostly to make to maybe ratchet up the tension and make your players cognizant of the fact that this is an exploration game is to make resource management much more important than you normally would. Mm-hmm. If you're in the desert, you can only carry a certain amount of water. Uh, how far is it to the next town? Well, the local villagers don't really know. Um, they haven't talked to that town in a long time. It could be three days. It could be two days. You have to figure out you know, how many arrows do you have. Mark them down. Right. Um, you have to try to streamline that because every time they shoot an arrow, everybody's going to be marking it and they're going to have to make more. But that will at least ratchet up some of the tension and make them think twice. Mm-hmm. Rather than just steamrolling into the forest, they might choose to sneak by because they only are down to four arrows and have like one day's of supplies left. That might help you with the exploration part. The other thing I was thinking was make a map of your world, but only give it to them in pieces Mm -hmm. as they explore it. Mm -hmm. And maybe even give them uh, parts of a map. If they visit a village and ask Mm -hmm. you know, what's nearby, you can hand them a map with like the ruins and part of that stuff filled out and they can add it to their master map. Mm -hmm. And that at least gives them some idea of, like they're helping to build and explore this world as they go. Um, One thing you can add to your map, well, first of all, your map does not have to be fancy. No. Because mine are all garbage, but they convey the (laughs) idea. It's theater of the mind anyway, so um, (laughs) it's great. And I, I... like that idea of the video game thing is important because it's you by yourself and you're going over the next rise and you are visually seeing the thing and you're tense because mm-hmm. you yeah. could just you could die. You and don't so know. you got to remember that not everyone at the table is picturing what is picturing the same thing when you're describing it. So try to be as effusive as possible. But the thing you can do to expand those maps where you're like piecing them out mm-hmm. is you might get to a high rise and you you can kind of see down into the valley there's this town but now uh, you know hundreds of miles that way you can see a peak mm-hmm. there's a mountain in the clouds or you know, shiny you know, city or yeah yeah or or there's smoke. a there's a long desert yeah. that way and you can fill in a big section of like unknown mountain you can mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. and and that'll start to give it a sense of depth and scope exactly that's uh, a really great idea the other thing you can do too is not completely define your entire world let the players maybe define some of it mm. yeah um, they can come off and say uh, um, maybe they take a, a route through the forest well you haven't completely defined this forest yet so you let the players you know maybe you throw an abandoned elven village in there mm-hmm. you're getting thought of well now it's on their map they're helping fill out your map as well and so it, you can sort of crowdsource some of that stuff yeah. out so that they ha- are actively 
exploring and helping you fill out your map. But, I would 100% have them actually fill it out. Yeah. Like, hand them too. the thing, and, like, yeah. you get to draw this as you go, like adventurers. Yeah. And again, like, don't, like, judge them on their drawing, but it's like, okay, this was the well. The circle is the well. Just write well on it. Yeah. You know, and that sort of thing, because that'll give them some ownership on, like, oh, this is, we're really exploring and filling mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would also say, I, I almost never track. Um, ammunition and yeah. rations and, and you know the weight of your gear right. but I absolutely agree that you probably should for this however that being the case I would give everyone in the party free um, what's it called Pr- uh, rank uh, training in mm-hmm. D&D what's um, your proficient survival oh, okay. free proficiency oh, in yeah. survival and animal handling yeah yeah um, because one your, your ranger or whoever is going to feel like like obviously they should have that and if this is an experienced group of adventurers that whoever's in charge hired them to go find the people who miss, who went missing, these folks are on their shit and they know what they're doing. Um, and it's shitty for one person to get stuck always doing all right. the menial tasks. Maybe they don't all have stealth. Maybe they don't all have athletics. It, That's, it could all be a party of rangers, which would be awesome. Yeah, but so even you. if it's not, <laughs> uh, it, it, to not feel like you have to do that, I would just give everybody survival yeah. and animal handling for free yeah. and then carry on with character creation as normal. Yeah. Um, because this is a group of people who know how to survive in the woods. You're not bringing some city kid in his like fancy doublet and hose and right. has no idea how to conduct himself on a long mm-hmm. journey with no immediate or, or resources. You, or you do. like There's like the one cabin boy who's completely out of the water and that, that's his character arc. But yes, if everybody is that way and the one ranger has to herd the rest of them around, you're not going to make it yeah. that far. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, if somebody does want to be that, that the fish uh, out of water, the, the, yeah. the fancy boy in, in, who's totally unprepared for this, that's fine. Just be Totally upfront about telling them that that's what's happening. So they make that choice. And, like that is something I would do. Like, yeah. oh, I'm yes. the fanciest boy, and I want to do that. Um, you mean there are no bats in the forest? I've, I don't understand. I've literally said that in a campaign. Yes, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of fun being inept at that, yeah. and good at the things that I'm good at. Um, but because you knew ahead of time, and were able yes. to be like. I am going to make the worst possible character for this, and it will be great. So. Yeah, I only travel light. I only have three three bags, and yeah. it turns out they're like three giant steamer trunks. Right. But there's three of them. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what do you three. mean you don't carry my yeah. bags? Um, Debbie Mac in the chat room says, for outdoor travel adventures, I usually have four to six plot points that I want to cover over the next several sessions. I then adjust them for the environment, area, main quest lines, mm. and plan it out that way. Yeah. Which is similar to kind of what we've talked about with module design a lot, and that's a lot of something that a lot of us utilize when we're doing um, con games or, or one shots when we have like a set time limit and it's like, these are the plot points. Okay, you run into them. Oh, we're going to switch them around in this order now. Yeah. So just have like uh, different encounters planned um, and then just kind of whatever seems to work as they go through. Oh, the other thing, like to that point, if you want, if one of your plot points is um, the town is abandoned and the well smells funny, mm-hmm. right? That could be the desert. Mm-hmm. That could be the forest. Yeah. That could be on a mountainside. Yeah. So right? Can, it doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not super important that you you know drag them through piece by piece. No. Um, like a video game has to pre-plan all that stuff. Yes, it's it does. really hard to just. Um, you know, but uh, you have these moments that you've already collect, mm. coupled together in folders, right. and you can pull them out at anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. okay to be prepped for stuff like yeah, that. Absolutely, like you, you, but have like like the uh, chat said, um, you know, four or five, six of those 
and then you can you can drop them when it seems like it's sort of emotionally important. Like, oh, it feels like a deserted town kind of day, or it feels like a broken down caravan where everyone's fine, but the caravan can't move for some reason. Um, if it's in the woods, it's in the mud. If it's in the desert, they're in the quicksand. You know, like a little bit of quicksand. There's just you have a lot of flexibility if you build out your encounters that way. Yeah. And to that point, mm-hmm. I would um, I would definitely give them some things to do instead of them just stumbling along exploring. Um, <clears throat> and I would also give them sections of the map for free as well. Like mm-hmm. they find a, a a library and the they, oh. they, old part of the mm-hmm. map. So that now now all of a sudden there's a whole area of the section that, and maybe there's ruins or a city. We're, we're going to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can sort of lead them there. But it gives them, rather than just stumbling blindly with a machete through the forest, it gives them things to go and try out and, and explore and look at. And that'll give them that, those moments of discovery. Like, wow, well, this was this was in that ancient text we found. And when they get there, the mm-hmm. city's completely overgrown and abandoned. Wow, what happened? Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And they get to map it while they're there. Yeah. It gives them a reason to cross the huge desert that you would there. in no, uh, no right. way see right. that as a, like an attractive exactly. option. Right. Or you could even do it with rumors. Like, uh, you know, this, this, this blind... Man in the in the tavern says he just came back from, or he you mm-hmm. know he's in this town. He, Fifty years ago, he went out, and this this happened over this way into the northwest, or whatever. And it gives the the players a reason to go explore mm-hmm. and check stuff out, rather than just all right, we get on our horses and we're. They say the next town's three days away, so we're going to go. Yeah, and hopefully we make it. Yeah, or give them like the yellow brick ro- yellow brick road in Wizard of Oz. Like that's all Dorothy knew. She's like, yeah. follow this road. Yeah. No idea where it goes through. Oh, yep. yeah. crazy poppy field. <clears throat> okay, some farmland. Like, all these strange things. So, like, they know this is the way, but they don't know what they're going to run into along the, the way. The other note I just wanted to say, and I maybe said it when I started, which is, like, you make sure you streamline some of the stuff. Make sure that their map making doesn't become a chore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure that their resource management is quick and easy to mark off, whether you make yeah. a sheet that they can just tick off arrows and food or whatever or mark it. But... Try to make it as easy for them as possible because it, it will help ratchet up the tension, but it could also become a chore. At some point, they're going to get pissed off if they have to keep doing stuff on the map if you don't make it easy for them. Yeah. Either grid it out and, and draw it for them, or every session you update the map and hand them the new map mm-hmm. with whatever program you use, or you give them access to a program. But try to make this streamlined and fun and cool yeah. rather but- than... All right, who wants to draw the map today? <laughs> oh, I, I don't, not you. I hate the way you draw your yeah. wells. And uh. the the thing I would add to that sort of quality of e- quality of life improvement. I mean, it sounds like I'm making a joke, but if uh, they have to double back to a place they came from, give them the quick travel. Maybe just go ahead and mark off three rations. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Give it a quick travel. We already crossed this ground, unless it's super, super important and very plot relevant mm-hmm. that they didn't find something on the way out, and now it's gonna, you know, the bandits are gonna jump them on the way back. Uh, just give them the quick travel yeah. uh, because it's not important. We already covered this ground. So, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Also, also make them heroes. Like, yes. have them find. Have, make, make this exciting. Make this adventure thing exciting. Like, they're the first to discover this. They're the first to solve this puzzle. They're the first to make it to this town from for whatever reason. The, they get through the past that was unpassable. Make them those people. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just turn them into chart- cartographers and mm-hmm. and uh, oh, yeah. and and academics. Make sure that they are celebrated for what they're doing. Yeah. And, and some of the local towns they come across, they're doing these big, amazing things that locals haven't been able to do. Right. Maybe suddenly there's songs when they come back to that yeah. town. Exactly. You know, and stories. That's and somebody's so painting a picture. Because now all of a sudden you've you've elevated the, the 
chart making into this this legendary thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're reconnecting the entire kingdom. This group of people is reconnecting yeah. this fractured kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, build build their reputation. Yeah, on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as part of making them epic Great. heroes. You know, yeah. so we have solved it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and there was one more part where yeah. they were asking about how to make their um, well, exploring it fun and exciting. Uh, no, we did this. Oh, but like, yeah. how to make it different than just your normal like Middle Earth like forest oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, my my advice for that would be it's really hard to come up with new like like landscape. Like landscapes have been used. Like so many different types of weird landscapes have been used in all different fantasy. I like to try and be like, okay, it's a forest, but you know, try and then describe things that are in the forest. Um, like come up with weird creatures or weird plants. Always. I love making plants that yeah. are dangerous because nobody ever expects the yeah. plant. Forest and jellyfish. Then, yeah, and then it's Audrey too, and it's oh no, what yeah. do you do? Um, sorry, that was a musical theater reference. Sorry, um, but uh, I'm very proud of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> but like stuff like that. So it's something that um, just is a little bit different. Like if you can come up with some brand new cool ecosystem, good on you. Like that's a lot of work. But I don't know. That's what I tend to do. I tend to like copy paste like different bits of different things. Like it's a forest, but I'm gonna pull like this animal that I saw here and mm-hmm. these weird plants that I saw in Avatar and like all these different things. Yep. And then like kind of throw them together in one place. So as they're exploring something that, like, you don't have to explain every tree in the forest, like it's a or jungle or whatever you end up having. Then as you're going through, you can have like these weird interactions with interesting things. Yep. Also. And I say this all the time, but I, it bears fruit. Uh, don't be afraid to describe smells. Mm. Mm. And, In fact, you should. And, and so especially when you're an explorer. Uh, one of the one of the things I'm most proud of is when I did uh, the freak show. They end up in the Fey realm, mm. and there is uh, sort of fields. And you could smell wood smoke like they had just burned all of the, the fields recently. So you, and it's autumnal. There's leaves on the ground. There's crows cawing. Mm. It's sort of quiet and windy, and you smell smoke. And it, I, it immediately puts you in sort of an autumn town uh, mm-hmm. area kind of feel yep. it's got that sort of desolate kind of spooky and I, it's a it's a simple little thing just to describe what you smell and, and, and what the sound is the sound of wind whistling mm-hmm. so when they come to this sort of you know mongolian plain perhaps you can have them you know you hear it's very quiet occasionally you hear rustling of rabbits running and uh, the odd crow or something but for the most part is really quiet and all you hear is the wind and your own heart beating mm-hmm. and it smells of dust and grass mm-hmm. and and don't be afraid to to so first of all I, that's a mega <laughs> agree like two to three sentence senses uh, if you yeah. can you know like try to dig into that and and give them something like that but also don't be afraid to compare or describe those sensory input with stuff that is like every day for you like mm-hmm. it smells like the inside of your freezer mm-hmm. right yeah. like that's a oh great that's one. like a dry yeah. cold weird smell um or it's like oh it's i don't the, clean my freezer it smells like rotten meat <laughs> it's, it's the it's the size of a of your car Jeff, you know, yeah. like whoever's you know drove there, like, oh yeah, your your minivan out there. It's the thing you're the, the boulders about the size of Jeff's minivan, and <laughs> like it no, sounds right. silly, but it, it actually like well now suddenly everyone is seeing the same size rock, yes. right? Is a boulder ten feet around, a hundred feet around? <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, suddenly yeah. you're all seeing the same thing because you're referencing, comparing it to something in real life. Especially as an explorer, too, you want to you know that way when they're ri- writing their little map, you know, and they, they've got their Mongolian tundra kind of where now they can draw their little graph. Because yeah. now you've, you've set that part up. It's, yeah. it, anyway. One of uh, the best examples of that is right now in our Call of Cthulhu game. Stu's uh, describing the Hounds of Tendalos, mm. which are these terrifying things. Yeah. <laughs> the first, like, 
these are really hard things to describe because mm-hmm. they're these horrors from other even dimensions. Lovecraft didn't do it very well. Yeah, no, it didn't. He didn't know. So he's like, and he's like, they have like this stuff on them that looks like yogurt, and like immediately, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. First of all, we're all gross, but we know exactly what it looks like now. Yep. Mm-hmm. So whether it's accurate to the books or not, like that, it, we all have a very visceral, very clear picture of yep. what these dogs are covered with, and none of us want to get near it. Yeah. So that's yeah. very effective. It's very effective. I love it. Uh, all right. Thank you. Very good email um, yeah. from Jeff. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Playing an existing IP from Joe Crack. Hey, HJ crew. Joe Crack here, and I have a follow-up question inspired from one of the November 15th emails read. Emails read. Mm. Uh, as the title uh, might suggest, it's about playing in pre-existing IP. What? Mm. I object. Now the hosts <laughs> that are on discuss this and talked about several well-known properties like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Babylon 5, Farscape, and they seem to come to an agreement uh, where they enjoyed it if it were news stories, possibly not interacting with the well-known characters at all. Right. Yeah. My question is, in regards to a setting that wasn't mentioned, superhero comics. Yeah. Obviously, masks get played, and that game is great. But if someone asks me if I want to play in a DC universe, Marvel universe, Amalgam universe, or even a world where both properties coexist, and my answer is usually, hell yeah! Mm-hmm. When the answer, when the question arises, I want to uh, make a, an OC or play a pre-existing character, and I can honestly do either. Marvel Heroic is a pretty good game for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I, I can guess <laughs> what Uh-oh. some of the hosts might say, but what are y'all's feelings on that? If someone told you, hey, this is going to be like a Justice League game, do you want to play Wonder Woman, Black Canary, Superman, Batman, etc., what would you? What would your reaction be? Well, I know Kimmy would play Wonder Woman. Bill's called out. Yeah, completely. <laughs> would you play Wonder Woman? I am Wonder Woman. I don't right? need to play Wonder Woman. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I actually... Um, I was part of a charity uh, event at a local game store where I was GMing, and I did. I GMed like a Justice League game, and I went in cosplay as Wonder Woman, and they were playing um, like young superheroes who were trying out to be and like trying to prove themselves to be mm-hmm. on the Justice League. Um, and it was kind of weird. It was like even though I cosplay Wonder Woman, I don't gener- like. There are some cosplayers who are in character all the time. I'm not one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm in character with little kids. Yeah. But if you walk up to me and you're like, "Hey, nice costume," I'm like, "Thanks. This is how I made it." I'm a nerd. Um, so, it, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I It's it's interesting because I've thought about this a lot because playing demigods, you have the warrior playbook, which is very Wonder Woman-esque. Mm-hmm. And I've never pl- played that playbook. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because it's something that is like very like me, so maybe mm. it's not enough role play. And I, I know it sounds like, oh, I'm like Wonder Woman. I'm not... I mean... But, like, she's close to my heart for a reason, because I identify strongly with her. So I don't know if it's because I like being very different in in games. So no. I don't know. I think if someone was like, I am specifically running a game that is the Justice League, who would you like to be? Yes, Wonder Woman, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, in many ways, again, I, I take this back to acting. Like, uh, how many people have played Superman, right? You started wow. with, you know, Christopher Reeve. Well, they didn't start. Christopher Reeve mm-hmm. and... and um, Brandon George, Ruth. George. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, right. That guy. What did he... Did he only, yeah. Uh, anyway, but each one has their own take on it, and it's very, very sort of different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a couple of different people that, that play Batman, obviously, as well, and they're all very, very different from each other. And I think that if I were to play Superman... I mean, here's what I would have to say, which is, like, sure, I'll totally play your Justice League game, and I'll play Superman or any one of these established characters, mm-hmm. but this can't 
be canon. Yeah. Because my Superman's going to make choices that will never... What I don't want to hear is, no, Superman would never do that. Right. Yeah. That, that would be my you fear, too. You can't do that to me if, I'm, if you're going to make me play one of these characters. Because I don't want to be beholden to canon that I may or may not know, or may or may not even agree with. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it, I think that that it's unfair because not everybody's going to be the super comic nerd that Kimmy and I are and know <laughs> our Justice League lore yeah. back, backwards and forward. It, first of all, it's not fair that way. It's second, not fair that I have to get shoulder to play this character exactly the way it's currently being written. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't that. Yeah. There's no fun in that at all. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and sometimes it's really bad. And, and for me, like I'm, I'm kind of a comic book tourist, yeah. right? Like, right? Except for a couple characters who I've read, I've read all of Deadpool and all of Spider Man. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's the stuff I know everything about. Sure. Yeah. But if it's not about those characters, I don't know. Like, you, if you tell me I had to play in a Justice League game and mm-hmm. I get to be one of these people, I'd go like. Green Lantern, I guess. I don't know. The Flash. It seems cool. Oh, well, which Green Lantern do you want to play? Yeah. yeah. But, and that's the thing. I would say, like, I don't know what my character's life was up till now. Right. What primer should I work from? Right. Yeah. What assumptions should I have? Oh, can I please have amnesia? Yeah. Right? And, and, see, and that's the big pitfall right there is that you, you, you're going to end up with people that aren't going to be playing Hal Jordan the way that he's been, ever been described. And right. you have to be okay with that going in. You have yeah. to say, you guys can play these characters. Hopefully, if they're playing superheroes, they have a passing knowledge of what those superheroes are. But mm. you're still—they're gonna. I yeah. mean, if I were to play Superman, I think I'd make him like want to take over the world like a god, which yeah. has been explored before. Be Red Sun Superman. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, no, I, I totally that. would. I read that. I like that. A lot. I totally would because that's kind of what would with great power comes great responsibility, yeah. and you know, you'd be the philosopher king. Like clearly, I need to lead these monkeys. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. But and that's not in the necessarily in the Justice League comics, but. That's the kind of the thing that I maybe would want to do, mm-hmm. and you have to allow those players to do that if they're going to be playing with the IPs. Otherwise, I don't. I wouldn't see it very fun. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because it wouldn't seem fun to me, and I. I don't think it would be successful. Otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, otherwise you're going to end up handing somebody this data dump on what their character is, and they're going to be so restricted by what's in those mm-hmm. files that they're not. They're yeah, that, that phrase really "so and so would never do that" is just like. Like, I'm already angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the closest I've come to this is running masks as, like, Young Avengers, right? Yeah. Where, uh, yeah, Iron Man is part of, is one of the people in charge of the school and Captain America. And, like, you see them sort of tangentially, but that's not who the story's about. Yeah. You know, like, we're going to go off and have our own adventures with your original characters that you created. Um or I think somebody in the game I ran was like, okay, well, I want to play Young So-and-So, and I kind of know what they're about. I'm like... Cool. No one's gonna police you on that. So mm-hmm. go nuts. You know, like that's you're playing young Nightcrawler or something. Like, okay, you are your own Nightcrawler. Yeah. I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind so much maybe playing your own original hero and maybe some of the Justice League shows up. Like like for yeah. example in uh, the Star Wars animated stuff. You know, occasional like Vader shows up mm-hmm. at times, but he's not he's not always there and and it's still like even then it's a little awkward with the canon sometimes you're like yeah. even yeah. then yeah. it's trying to shoehorn it and so like and, if Hal Jordan a, shows up and, and helps you guys out or gives you an hour or says mm-hmm. you know you're needed we're busy keeping the gate closed there's my gates again yeah. keeping yep. the gate closed <laughs> you guys need to go handle this that's cool mm-hmm. but again you know if I'm having to play Hal Jordan I'm going to be burdened with all that knowledge that I don't mm-hmm. know yeah and I, I'll tell you one one of the things that springs to mind is um, this is a friend of a friend. My my friend told me about a campaign he was in <laughs> right? as as a I think teenager. Mm-hmm. They were playing Star Wars, probably West End games, and um, they the they were going to be like reformed Sith or whatever. 
Um, but they had to deal with Palpatine, mm. right? Like they were dealing with the Emperor. And they got an audience with the Emperor. And they get there, and one of the guys says, I grab the guard's force pike and stab it to the Emperor. Yeah. Like, because I know he's evil. Like, okay, you're using meta knowledge, but you're also 16. And, like, all right, yeah. fine. And then gets a 20 or whatever it was, like a and, critical and success. Killed the and another critical success and killed the Emperor, and the whole thing's gone. So, if you're going to present <laughs> canon characters, right. you have to be prepared to yes. completely derail canon. Yeah. Yep. Or never present them and just have that be in the background, which yeah. if I'm running Star Wars, I'm never going to have Luke Skywalker. I'm never going to have Rey. I'm never, you know, I'm never going to have these people in yeah. the story because. I don't want to deal with, or it'll be after any sort of canonized yeah. mm-hmm. event. And that, and that brings us back to what he said. He figured we were going to say anyway. It, it's that's why. That's why we say it because yeah. it's really hard. Unless unless you just say, "Here's Luke Skywalker playing however you want." I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. Yep. This is a great opportunity to use the multiverse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there you we're go. We're on Earth 572. Yeah. And, right. Yeah, and so you can do whatever that, the fuck you that's want. That's actually a great excuse. If, that, if yep. you yeah. need that as a prop, it's like this is your Batman. You're still Batman, but it's the way you, <gasps> it's the Batman you come up with. Oh my god, that would be so much fun. Right. Yeah. Like you're Batman. Yeah. How did you become Batman on right. five, on Earth five hundred seventy one? Yeah. Why are yeah. you Batman? And you're Wonder Woman. Why? 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 How are you what Wonder happened? Woman? What yeah. Is how different? did you become Wonder yeah. Woman? Oh. And what did you do with? You're it? now Viking yeah. Wonder Woman. You're you're, you're the daughter yes, of a totally different flavor. <laughs> right? Like, oh yeah, Odin or uh, oh yeah. yeah, Odin or, or uh, Freya's Wonder Woman or like Mayan or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who knows? Like it could be. Everything. Maybe they're all swaps, and like maybe Wonder Woman is from Krypton. Yeah. Sounds like we should just play demigods. <laughs> Basically. So, <laughs> so I'm not opposed to it, but it has to be for certain reasons, and there has to be certain rules set up. Which, and mm-hmm. most of that is I'm going to play the character the way I want to play it, and you can't tell me no. Oh, mm-hmm. the other thing uh, is any of these characters are Mary Sue's, and they're <laughs> written by writers, not yeah. role-playing gamers. Right. Yeah. Right? And if you try to stat up Superman compared to Batman, that's nothing. There is no Superman versus Batman no. in a in no. any sort of like RPG sense. No. That's nothing. I don't care about your movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so what's your superpower? I'm rich. Yeah. That's, that's uh, what's it? my really? superpower? I'm an invincible immortal god who has... Who can reverse time yeah, by flying like, uh, backwards around the planet. Yeah, I'm yeah. not even going to get in this conversation <laughs> because me and the internet have fought about this enough. Yeah. Well, all, all I want to say about it is that um, these characters are written like they're like part of a novel they were written by one or two people who just had to agree on how they were going to get from point a to point b it wasn't a collaborative storytelling thing mm-hmm. it wasn't right. you know a group so that's that's the thing a lot of times game masters want to sit down and tell this this you know deftly crafted story that they brought to their gaming table, but really what that game master should do is sit down and write the novel that they did. <laughs> you know? and, um, and we say that because it's that's not a collaborative storytelling thing. When you right. bring it with yeah. a bunch of people, everybody's going to have input into your precious story, and it's going to start to yeah. fall apart. Right. And all of these characters are precious. Yeah. Right. That that's the thing. And so it's really hard to have a, a gaming table of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and the Flash, and and have anything that looks like a coherent mm-hmm. sort of gaming and experience. Th- again, with acting, that's one of the things about improv comedy is they say just to be, you, you yes and, and that's where we get up and get that thing, which is instead of blocking and saying, no, that's the, I, I gave you a really funny line, run with that, you say, mm-hmm. they, they will take it somewhere else, and you accept their, their, their gift of like, 
yes, and and then you run with with whatever they're giving you, and that's exactly the way a game is played too. You you accept what your players are giving you, whether it was what you had intended or not, or whether it falls into falls into the DC canon or not. You still have to accept what they're giving you, and that's the the joy. And if you let it go and you embrace it, that's the joy of collaborative yeah. storytelling. Otherwise, you're writing your novel, and that's a different type of storytelling, and it's just as viable, but. Not everybody can play in it. I want to read your novel. <laughs> I do. Right? I totally do. But I don't want to play in it. No. I am a fan of your fanfic. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah. percent. You could do a game. Okay. Sorry. I'm like falling down the rabbit hole of superhero <laughs> games now. I totally want to run like the, mu- the multi-air thing. Yeah. But you could also do one like your bard game where everyone was a bard. Yeah. Except everyone's like a different Wonder Woman or Superman. Yeah. Everyone's Superman. Yeah. But a different one. Okay. Like, now that's more you, interesting to me. Right? Like one of you, if you're doing Wonder Woman, like one of you is uh, like the... is is Gal Gadot and one of you is like from the 70s TV show yep. and one of you is from the animated series and you just like Shit. all the different things I actually did that it's like yeah. Into the Spider-Verse yeah exactly we actually did that Dave and I did that everybody was Harrison Ford oh you did that that's oh, right yeah. yeah we did a um, and you did one where it was all bards too right we did the Mission okay. Impossible um, Mission Impossible that's what which it was. is basically we pulled, I pulled a plot line from the, the old Mission Impossible not the stupid movies what? soapbox for a minute I'll keep it quick. The cool thing about the television show was that Mission Impossible was this sort of psyops covert group, right? And Mm -hmm. the whole thing was if we if you get caught, we will disavow any knowledge of you, and you're on your own. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. So, and the whole idea was that these guys came in, did something, and got out without ever being noticed or seen. Whereas the movies, he's blowing up planes and buildings, and he's you know he's causing traffic jams, and it's is the opposite of of not being seen. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. completely. And the the show was really clever and smart about yeah. how these people were na- navigating. They would get into buildings and sneak around and do stuff and never be seen or caught. It was very cool. Yeah. So we took one of those plot lines from Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. and we made them all bards because bards have the a lot of sneaky qualities, charming qualities, um, and you assemble a group of con men, thieves. Uh, second story people and mm-hmm. all of that, and so everybody had a different sort of skill set, but they were all bards. Yeah. Um, and we, the Harrison Ford thing was um, Tales of the Floating Vagabond, and everybody yeah. was a Harrison Ford character from one of the movies. We had the Fugitive, we had Han Solo, we had <laughs> we had Indiana Jones. Very we cool. had, and so every one of them was, was together in this bar, and each yeah. one of them played each one of those characters, and it, it was they were all Harrison Ford. Yeah. But as as different characters. I, so it, it is. It's fun and it's funny and it's. I don't know if it can really last a campaign. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's. Be, it'd be fun for. It'd be fun shot. for a couple, maybe. Uh, you know? Yeah, Mazzy, uh, Mazzy Chart Czar in the chat room says, "Everyone, Superman sounds like a great fiasco game." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One last planet. Yeah. Um, the um, the run of the Deadpool Core C O R P S. Yeah. Um, is. One of the only times I've been reading something and laughed out loud. Right. And it is several versions of Deadpool from, from multiple universes. Um, and I, I embarrassed myself in public <laughs> reading it. I think I was on a bus or something. Yeah. And I made a loud noise that made people look at me. And I was like, Sorry, that's nothing. <laughs> I've doubled over laughing reading Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> in public. So it's okay. Yep. It's okay to laugh. It's <laughs> It is. It's fine. But the Deadpool Core, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of, it's, it's a lot. Five versions of Deadpool, and it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> fourth wall. What fourth wall? Yeah. Oh, panels. What exactly. panels? Like sixteenth wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Is that it? I think we're done. I like this. We've come up with some game ideas. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank we, you. I think Kimmy's going to run a superhero game next. We, we the next won. Game. We yeah. won at podcasting <laughs> we today. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we won the podcasting game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much. This has been Season 26, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. I'm still Stork. Yep. And you can catch us next week. Don't forget, upcoming on January 24th and 25th, that's a Friday and Saturday, we are having the Rainbow Railroad Charity mm. Marathon. So we are having games back to back for twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. Will people here at midnight to three? Can I can I um, pimp my slot in just a second? Okay, but that's actually next week. So we're kicking it off with the advice show at seven p.m. Pacific time. So we're going to do our normal one hour show, and then we're. Going into a long marathon. Um, we will be posting the schedule soon. Soon the GMs will get me the games that they're playing. I sent it. Oh, okay, you did it. I don't know what Good you job. want from me. <laughs> You're the one I who did, did my homework. You did your homework. Good job. Yes, now you may. Uh, so we uh, got permission. I got permission because I did everything and I'm a superhero. Um, <laughs> you did your homework. Just delete all of that. Um, we'll fix that in post. Um, <laughs> The uh, the game Glitter Hearts kickstarted this fall. I immediately <laughs> backed it because it's all about magical girl transformation. So it's a PBTA game built around magical girl transformation, yeah. and um, it lets you play like Power Rangers or Sailor Moon or Voltron or whatever. And uh, we're going to be use it to be to be the Rainbow Wardens, <laughs> and um, so everyone is going to be one of the colors of the rainbow, and we have to go save the the wardens who were abducted. And anyway. Um, Greg Leatherman gave us permission to use uh, his Glitter Hearts game, even though it's not published yet. And I'm immensely grateful to him. You should That's go very to, cool. The, the Kickstarter has uh, is closed, obviously, but you can go to pre-order now. Highly recommend it. It's very fun. I've been reading through character creation all week, and I, I re- like the whole game. I mean, it's it's really fun. I'm immensely grateful to him. And I just want to say, we're going to be on at 4 a.m. Pacific <laughs> time. And if you could tune in live, it would really mean the world to us because that is a lonely time of night. Um, on the West Coast. On the East Coast, it'll be 7 o'clock, so yes. it's a reasonable time. And so. wherever you are, Sweden, yeah. please join us. Yeah. Sweden will be the uh, like lunch time for, for you. 4 a.m. PST, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have four players here who uh, all are eager and excited to do this. And caffeine down. Caffeine. Yes. <laughs> and it is going to be a g- glittery rainbow hoot. Yes. So... It'll be amazing. We're going to come in here next, and it's going to be just be like pixie glitter sticks yeah. and glitter. <laughs> glitter and bomb. Like, yeah. That's, ideally, the game will resemble a glitter bomb going off. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my goal. It'll be amazing. Yeah. So check out happyjacks.org slash rainbow. Right now, it's a landing page. It has information. We have a bunch of cool prizes, actually, for donors. There'll be prizes for the top donors of the whole event, but there'll actually also be a really cool package deal of downloadable content games for each game, so the highest donor in each time slot, game slot. Um, we'll also get prizes, so it's going to be fantastic. Check that out. Um, yeah, and then eventually that will be redirected to the actual donation page when the event goes live. We made over $6,000 last year when we did this, um, and it is um, supporting the Rainbow Railroad, which is a fantastic charity organization that helps LGBTQIA plus people around the world who are in circumstances where their governments and their countries are oppressing them in dangerous and terrifying ways. Murdering and, them. Yeah, murdering literal, them. Yeah, literal yeah. murder is and happening. It, and it gets them to safety. Um, so it's fantastic. Um, they are a very highly reputable group. Um, 
almost all of their money, like some insane percentage, like 90, like 85, 90% of their charitable donations actually go to helping people, not to administrative costs or advertising. Yeah, they're a really great group. Yeah, they're really fantastic. And they're working with us and they're always really tickled. And they're, I don't think they quite get us. Right. I don't think they roll. <laughs> they're like, cool, God. you're playing games at a table. And we're really excited that you're helping us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Anyway, check that out. Happyjacks.org slash rainbow. And as always, happyjacks.org slash schedule for all the things that are happy jacks coming up. Yep. All right. We have a game tomorrow, too. Oh, yeah. Vampires. Vampires are playing tomorrow. Vampires. It'll be the first, I think, real game because we sort of got our feet wet. Yep. Last night. Yes. All the things. And then, yeah. Check it out. There's APs all week. Yeah. All week. I'm right. here Mondays and Wednesdays, so, all the you know, time. lucky you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, check oh, yeah. us out. We got lots and lots of content. Kimmy's been very, very busy making sure and, and hurting these cats and Peace. keeping all the balls in the air. Spreadsheets are life. Okay. And so keeping all the cats in the air. All the cats. Is it, was it that uh, oh, Steve Martin with cat juggling? I've heard of this cat juggling. That's literally what she has to do is cat juggling. Yeah, there's Jellicle cats and I have Jackal cats. Juggle cats. Yeah. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Oh, Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, the show we love the most, with bad advice and humor crass from each and every host. And though the show won't start on time, the wait won't be in vain, for the host will drink and gather on till no emails remain. Saint of the skillful game master. Oh, guide us well with yes ending to avert a disaster. Whether fate or curse or millions of apocalyptic acts, fellow listeners and every host will always have our backs. Shoemaker, and dearly he loved me. My Johnny was a shoemaker.